Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. You are the world's fastest waving church on the planet. I'm going to have to figure something else out. I'm going to say, like, spin around 10 times and then sit down. Maybe that will work. Give me some time to transition. Uh, before COVID, we were the most chatty church I'd ever been to. I couldn't get you guys to be quiet. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Hey, good to see you. I'm like, I want to preach. And everybody's still be talking, you know. COVID shut that down. Come on now. I believe when the uh, masks go, I think we'll be chatty again. Does that sound okay? All right, good talk. I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's get the message. Um, if you're brand new, I'm Tyler, the pastor here. Before I get in the message, this Tuesday, woo, we got a special night. And everyone in this room is invited. Everyone. Some of the things that I didn't like about church, I didn't grow up in church, by the way. Um, I thought church was weird. I thought Christians were weird. I thought they were judgmental. I thought raising hands was a weird thing. I thought all of that was weird. And then Jesus found me and saved me. And now I became a pastor. Joke's on me. Okay. Um, but I used to think church was exclusive. There was some club that you had to do a lot of things to be a part of. And you had to dress a certain way and act a certain way and look a certain way and da-da-da. And then you read the Bible and you found out, man, Jesus came to earth and he took the ragtag group of disciples and he built a team. And it wasn't an exclusive team. It was a let's go get everybody kind of team. And so we have team night coming up Tuesday. Team night's this. If you serve here or um, are leading a small group or anything like that, you are uh, supposed to be part of this prioritized Tuesday night. If you want to be on the team, you want to be a part of what God is doing at Mission Church, you want to help us build his house, team night's for you. It's, we're calling it Operation Rebuild. People are scattered. People need to know that Jesus still loves them. People need prayer. People need uh, shepherds, little shepherds reaching out. This is not a one-man show at Mission Church. Oh, this is an all-hands-on-deck kind of thing. So who wants to come team night? Raise your hand. If you're not raising it, just raise it to the light of me. Wow, everybody's coming. That's fantastic. All right. It's a miracle. All right, <laughs> let's get into the message. If you're brand new, we're in a serious title, Knowing God, Knowing God. Everybody say, Knowing God. Oh, 5 p.m., come on now, Knowing God. I want to, boom, come on, you're, you're, the, you're the early service. You've got to have a lot of energy. Now, we're in the serious title, Knowing God, and we, um, I, I said, I, I presented the case last week that Christianity is more about knowing than it is doing. And the more you know God, the more you actually do. Not the more you do is the more you'll know. Uh, go watch last week's message, that would make sense. Um, but the whole heart of this is, Oh, the Gospel of John, written by Jesus' best friend, just talks about how good God is and how important throughout the Word of God that knowing God is so important. Romans, it says, because we were ignorant, because we didn't know, we tried to make our own righteousness and we basically fell trapped to our own ways. Oof, let's not fall trapped to our own ways. Do you ever have those moments in your life? I call it, uh, what were you thinking moments? Like, the, what were you thinking? Or having somebody say, what were you thinking? Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I uh, moved to LA. I'm a youth pastor in LA. I'm on a budget. I have a Honda Accord, my most favorite car I ever owned, first nice car I ever bought. And I just didn't have money to fix the brakes. And so here's what I decided to do. I'm just gonna keep driving it till the wheels fall off. And so like, it's like, you know, and first it's just squeaking, but I was like, I don't have money to pay for the brakes. It, it'll be fine. I'll take care of it when I have money. I'll never forget bringing my car finally into the uh, mechanic because it needed to get fixed, fixed. And he takes the wheel off and I get a quote and he looks at the wheel he looks at me, and I'm standing over there waiting. He looks at the wheel, and he looks at me like I'm crazy. And he like almost gets angry at me. He walks over and goes, what were you thinking? I was like, what? He goes, your rotor, your brakes, everything's worn down. You, you your brakes could have gone. You could have died on a freeway, man. I was like, I was just trying to save some bucks, bro. My bad. 
I don't know. I'm not a mechanic, all right? I didn't know, I didn't know I was risking my life, you know? I thought I was saving a few hundred bucks. He's like, no, man, I got to fix everything. The router, the brake pads, everything. It's going to be thousands of dollars. What could have been a few hundred bucks cost me thousands. Let me keep going. Thanksgiving. I'm a Bible college student at this time in LA. My friend goes up uh, to home and they have a place for us to house it. And all I need to do is wash their fishes. Two little gold fishies. Like, hey, can you watch our fish while you're there? Yeah, I'll take care of the fish. You just got to feed them once a day. Okay, I'm on it. Well, it was Thanksgiving morning and I take the food out and I give the fish some food. And I was like, it's Thanksgiving. I'm going to eat a lot of food today. I'm going to give the fish a lot of food. So I was like, happy Thanksgiving. And I started pouring food in there. I was just like, I'm making it rain. You know what I'm saying? And I thought I was being a great friend to the fishies. Next morning we wake up, fish are dead. Want me to wash your fish for you? I didn't think so. Found out you can overfeed a fish and kill it. The way I found out is I killed it. Went to the pet store that next day, bought fishes that were the same way, put them in there, didn't even tell them. Don't talk about it. I was a Bible student. I wasn't a pastor yet. Pastor wouldn't do that. Bible school student would do that. About three months later, I told them, hey, just give you a heads up. Those aren't your old fish. Those are new fishes. I killed your fishes. They're like, what? You know, they're goldfishes. Who cares? But this, this, this happened to me. I didn't know. And again, like my friends were like, when we killed the fish, what were you thinking given all the food? You didn't know that? No, I, I'm not a fish person. Whatever the, that, that doctor degree is in fish, I don't have it. Uh, last but not least, I'll never forget. I watched this one movie where all these uh, gladiators are super, super fit. And I decide I'm going to go on Operation Spartan. I'm going to get ripped like no other. I start working out two hours a day, bench pressing, lifting, eating healthy. I got to sneeze. <laughs> Everybody runs out of the room. <laughs> COVID, get out. He's sneezing. Um, uh, and uh, so I start working out for about, I don't know, six, eight months. And I get pretty fit. Like I'm, to be honest, I was pretty ripped. My back went out one day, like, couldn't even walk. Went to the doctor and uh, talked to the doctor and you know, said, what have you been doing? And then talked to a personal trainer and personal trainer said, what have you been doing? I said, well, I do chest on Mondays and then chest on Wednesdays and chest on Fridays. And then on Tuesdays, I do biceps and triceps on Tuesday, Thursdays. And then of course I do sit-ups every day. He goes, what about your back? What about your core? What about your legs? I'm ne- and I, I remember telling the trainer, I never heard a girl go, oh, he's got nice thighs. So I don't care about thighs. I was trying to have my, be- I call it the beach muscles, Operation Beach Muscle. He goes, man, you, you didn't work out your core? No, you can't, everything's pulling frontward. You're, you're destroying your body. What were you thinking? I'm sorry, I wasn't a personal trainer. I'm sorry, you know, it was one of those moments. I wish in all those moments that a mechanic would have found me early in that journey in my car and said, man, go get your car fixed right away, a few hundred bucks, I'll save you thousands. Ooh, let me say this way. I wish a fish person would have found me and said, don't feed the fishes, you're gonna kill them. No fish person found me. Oh, I wish, I wish the personal trainer would have found me early and said, hey, you gotta work your core out or else you're gonna mess your back up. Ooh, for months upon months, never found me. The gospel is a whole different story. It says in Luke 15, that the shepherd is on the lookout to find you. It says in Luke 15, that it leaves the 99 to find the one. The title of my message tonight is when the shepherd finds you. I hear people sometimes when they get saved, I found Jesus. Jesus wasn't lost, bro. He found you, you were the lost one. There's something about God finding us in our lostness. Oh, the wreckage and the carnage and the death we're on our way. He pursues us. Oh, what an amazing thing. You guys want to uh, hear Psalm 23 tonight? A whole new bent on it. Does that sound good? Bow your heads on me. Bow your heads on me. How about with me? That'd be weird. 
on my shoulder, I guess. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. Lord, I thank you that you are a shepherd that seeks us out. Oh, you don't wait for us to make the mistake. You don't wait for us to uh, pay the price, but you actually seek us out to turn us around to life. So Lord, I pray right now, my words, follow the floor in your words, Lord. Oh God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said, all right, let's go into the scripture. Psalm 23, somewhat famous, AKA maybe the most famous. Um, you'll hear Psalm 23 everywhere. You'll hear Coolio uh, rap about it in the Dangerous Mind soundtrack as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I take a look at my life. I see there's nothing left. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? That's pretty good, right? Uh, what's a guy got to do? Get some applause. I mean, he's rapping. I'm just kidding. Stop. 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 That's a joke. Um, just give you a recap real quick. We're talking about sheep and shepherds. So last week, if you weren't here, just to kind of get, fill you in a little bit, uh, sheep is not a compliment in Psalm 23. So when I talk about shepherd and sheep, you'll never see um, a pro sports team have a mascot be a sheep. Okay? You'll never be like, uh, the San Francisco 49ers are playing the Seattle sheep. This is not intimidating. Okay? Uh, you'll never see uh, at somebody's house, uh, hey, uh, so I was worried about burglaries, so I went and got a guard sheep. You're never going to see it. You're never going to see it. Beware of sheep, okay? You're not going to see that because sheep need a shepherd. They're not the tough ones. They're the weak ones. So when the Bible says that we're sheep, oh, it's this declaration of how much we need a shepherd. I love, I love in John 10, 10, he, uh, the Lord calls himself the great shepherd, and we were in it last week, and um, I've been going chapter to chapter, but the, the great shepherd one, I got to sit on it for a few weeks with the, with the house. Is that okay with you? We talk about the shepherd a little bit longer. It's okay. You get to know the shepherd, not just only the king. You get to know the shepherd, not only the alpha and omega. Get to know the shepherd, not only the, the, the God of the cosmos. Let's get to know the shepherd today, okay? And so uh, not only should you know the shepherd, it's the most common phrase in the Bible that God refers himself to. And then when I talk to Christians, I never hear them say, you know, I was just processing God as my shepherd. Never hear that. A lot of people, you ask them how they think of God, they think of king. Cosmic, but not shepherd. Father's the other ones uh, in the top. You ever meet somebody who um, you just don't know what their uh, intentions are with your life? Like strings attached, you know? Like I'll meet people at Starbucks and they'll give me their card. I'm like, what do you really want from me? A lot of people don't really know what Jesus wants for them or from them. John 10.10, 10, Jesus makes it plain as day why he came for your life. Ready? Let me, let me show you John 10.10. 10. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Here's why Jesus came, you ready? I came that they, you say me, everybody say me. He came that they, me, would have life and have it abundantly. That Greek word is superabundance now and also for eternity. That's why he came. Now let me give you my quote, my big thought of the message. It's simply this, you'll never have an abundant life until the shepherd has you. Let me say it again. Jesus came to give you an abundant life, a superabundant life. Oof, I'll be honest. I don't meet a lot of people with an abundant life. I want to meet more people with an abundant life. I do meet people with abundant life. I meet people with marriages that just aren't of this world. There's an abundance in it. I meet people with a joy that there's just an abundance in their life. And there's always this correlation. The shepherd has their life. I will submit to you my case study in the Old Testament. David is this little shepherd and the great shepherd comes and declares, you are going to be the next king. God sends Samuel the Lord has David. Ooh, he doesn't have David. David is the greatest follower of the Old Testament. Not only is he the greatest follower, he's the greatest leader of the Old Testament. You want to know why he's the greatest leader of the Old Testament? And he had an abundant life? Because the shepherd had him. Nowhere else in the Bible will you find a more abundant life in the Old Testament. Riches, even finances. Finances are weird to talk about. Do you know that it's okay to be blessed financially? You know, that's, a, that's an okay thing. But the Bible doesn't say money's bad. 
It just says, don't put your trust in money. Don't get hoity-toity with money is what it talks about in the New Testament. It actually says haughty, but hoity-toity sounds more, you know, I'll give you hoity-toity today. So the Old Testament, there is this man named David, and he writes about his shepherd, praised him as a shepherd. He was a shepherd. So he under, David had a kind of, he was cheating on this test. He had all the answers and we didn't. You shepherd sheep for a living, and then the Lord tells you he's your shepherd, you know exactly what that means for your life. So you know the benefits of it. You know the strengths of it. You know this, well, and then you know that you're the sheep now. Why would, he knows, David knows, every time I take care of sheep, my intentions are always good. I know better. I protect, I provide, I comfort. This is what I do for my little sheep. Now you're telling me you're my shepherd and I'm the sheep. You're going to protect, provide, and take care of everything. Woo. David knew the shepherd and therefore had the most abundant life. Let me say it again. Jesus came to give an abundant life. You will not have abundance until the shepherd has you. Uh, can I give you a little uh, story even? I, I, want, I want to make sure in my intro that you understand the importance of this. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, a drama teacher wanted their whole class to memorize Psalm 23. And so they all had to memorize Psalm 23 and they had to present it. And so the drama teacher gave them an example of what it would look like. He's like, let me show you how a pro does it. So the drama teacher came up and says, the Lord is my shepherd. And then, you know, started doing all the thou's and the, the, the English thou's. The Lord, thou shepherd is my shepherd. By the way, um, Jesus is not British. Okay? All these thou's and everything. Well, is that the correct way to pray? He's not British. Okay? It wasn't King James. I think it's so funny when people think that's the most holy way to do it. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, he goes on to say, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And the drama teacher, I mean, he's being dramatic, you know, peaceful streams, super drama. He renews my strength. It's a terrible presentation, by the way. <laughs> he guides me along right past, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the valley of the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. He just goes off on this whole thing. Okay. Should I go the whole way? No, we'd be here forever. You get the idea, right? That's my wife. More, more. You would. You would. I look like a fool doing that. Let's keep going. So the teacher reads Psalm 23 and presents it and then asks a young man to come up. It's a shy young man in the class. The young man comes up and he starts to perform, read, maybe even declare Psalm 23. He starts to read it. This young kid is a Christian, by the way. He knows the shepherd. He's been through a lot. He starts to read and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He can barely get through the first line. 38 years old. I'd read this verse at 18 and I would read right through it. When I read the Lord is my shepherd, I read it a little different in my life at 38. You lose loved ones in your 20s and 30s and people who are close to you that shouldn't pass away. You go through dark valleys. That, that, that verse has a different weight to it. Goes on to say, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. The young man reads it and starts to weep. You suffer from anxiety and you have God give you peace. You read that a little differently. The young man reads all of Psalm 23, all six verses. And the drama teacher stops and goes, I get it. I know Psalm 23, but the young man knows the shepherd. And there is a chasm of difference in a Christian's walk. 
You can know the verses one through six. Oh yeah, the darkest valley, I get it. Okay, yeah, he overflows my cup. Amen, mighty man of God. Do you know that the Bible says that, the, uh, that in these days that there'll be a um, presentation of godliness? Do you know what the presentation of godliness looks like? It's simply this. It's you hearing a verse, memorizing it, and then saying it at the right time when Christians are around. That's what it means. Oh, brother, that reminds me of the darkest valleys. He's got his rod and staff. He'll comfort you. You're doing nobody good just memorizing a verse. Oh, that's a presentation of godliness. Oh, but a real believer says, oh, can I tell you my story real quick? Real believer shows you victory in the way they talk and walk and love and respond. I haven't even started my message. Let's go, 14 minutes. Okay, first time, here we go. Psalm 23, if you're here for the first time, the pastor preaches for a long time here, buckle up. You're not allowed to leave either. That's the rules. Okay, here we go. Um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Verse one, stop. I can't even go past that. I, I, we, I told Rachel, I was like, when I was preparing this, I was like, this could be like a seven-week series, but instead I'm just gonna do a two-hour message. You're welcome. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. First point is simply this, to know the shepherd is to know contentment. Let me, let me just say this real quick. Never in history have we had more than this. Ooh, so much right now. Never in history have we had more than this, but wanted more than ever. Never have we had more stuff, but still felt so empty. Study after study, we have more stuff than ever, but we're more empty than ever? Because contentment doesn't come from stuff, it comes from knowing the shepherd. Let me, let me uh, read you some things real quick. You won't find contentment in social media. Just give you a heads up. I never talked to anybody who goes, you know what I was doing for the last hour? I was on Instagram and I feel great about myself right now. I feel really fired up to go change the world. I feel like I have the best life. I uh, feel like people really love me and value me. Man, social media is great. No, you won't find it in social media. Actually, they do studies, uh, study after study. And one of the ones I thought was fascinating is that they took college kids, had them look at social media for an hour and a third came back depressed. You will not find contentment in social media. So stop trying to build your brand, your person, your perception on social media. You're not going to find contentment on social media. Here's another place you're not going to find it. You won't find contentment in success. Oh, if I just, maybe it's the, if I can be successful in my marriage more, or more, be a more successful parent or successful in my career, then I'll feel content in my soul and I won't feel all this coveting feelings. No, you won't, it won't happen. U.S. and U.K., top 10 in all GDP, money, finances, education, top 10, top 10, top 10. Why is it that Romania and Brazil and third world countries, their kids are happier than our kids? Because success is not found. Oh, contentment is not found in success. America has a fourth, uh, a fourth of the wealth, 25% of the wealth of the world. And we're miserable. I feel like I don't need to present any other case for you just to get off the wagon, stop trying to chase things. As your pastor, I'm taking out my staff real quick and saying, stop chasing things and start chasing the shepherd. Get to know your shepherd and you'll know contentment. Let's keep going. Third point, you won't find contentment in self-esteem. In self-esteem. Uh, I, gotta, I gotta do a little uh, youth pastor thing. Uh, one of my least favorite things was meeting youth kids that thought they were the greatest gift to God's green earth. I would tell parents this, stop telling your kids how special they are and start telling them how special Jesus is. And they'd be like, oh, what are you talking like, This kid thinks that they're the greatest. You're setting them up. They're not the greatest. They're, pretty, they're fine, but they're not the greatest. Let me, let me, uh, 
let me, let me just put it this way. As a kid gets older, and this, I feel like this happens to a lot of kids, maybe not you, but go back to being a kid, and you, there was a time in your life where you thought you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. The coolest thing since pants with pockets. You thought you were amazing. I don't know if pants pockets were cool when they came out, but I bet you they were. Finally, pockets for pants, genius. Catch this real quick. And then you go to junior high and you look around. And for the first time, maybe you realize, man, I'm not like that. I don't look like that. I don't talk like that. I don't throw like that. I don't think like that. I don't answer like that. And just you start coveting and feeling less than. And we wonder why suicide is the third leading killer in young people today. It's a fascinating thing. You'll hear pastors say this way that Instagram and just what the world has done now is we see everybody's highlights and none of their nightmares. So when you're seeing highlights and no nightmares and you're living out nightmares and you're seeing highlights, you feel like you're the one that's less than. Let me, let me put it this way. The reason why a lot of you can't find contentment and self-esteem is simply this. You're seeing the best of the best and you know the worst of the worst of yourself. So on Instagram, you're seeing the best of the best of people. But while you're looking at it, you know the worst of the worst of yourself. How can you be content when you feel that way? How? Let me tell you what the Bible does. You ready for this? The Bible says that God sees the worst of your worst, but declares the best of your best. Ooh! I feel like that was a pretty good quote original that God gave me today. Okay, so I'm going to say it one more time. The Bible says God sees the worst of your worst, but he declares the best of your best. Oh, Tyler, where is that in scripture? Turn your Bible to Isaiah in your face. I'm going to show you. Isaiah 118, you ready? Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. I love that verbiage. Come now, let's settle this. Let's settle really where you should find your contentment on how you were created and what your purpose is. Ready? Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet. Ooh, it's the worst of the worst. We're talking dark red. The stain ain't coming out. Oh, it's bad says, though your skin, sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Goes on to say, though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Contentment is not getting what you want, but realizing what you have. You have a shepherd that can fix everything. You have a shepherd that knows exactly what you need when you need it. I don't know if I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again real quick. The people of Israel asked God to be his, their political king. You know how stupid that is? He's like, I don't want to be your political like king. I want to save you for eternity. I want to be your savior, not your political pundit. So many of us have these ideas of what we want God to be. And God's like, just let me be what I need to be in your life. And you'll lack nothing. David, be my shepherd. Did David lack anything? Ooh, I'll show you people who follow God with all that they are. They do not lack. They do not lack. Let's keep going. Second point. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. To know the shepherd is to know peace. To know the shepherd is to know peace. The fascinating uh, picture here. Uh, when, a, um, when you see a shepherd and sheep, you're not going to see sheep laying down a lot. Sheep don't like to lay down because they lay down the wrong way. They're not getting back up, by the way. It's kind of a scary thing. But they don't lay down because they're just very fearful animals. And so the, the, the shepherd would literally have to lay them down like, hey, sit down. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you about to lay down, sheep, you know? And so I, I, I thought this was funny when I, I recognized it, but I'll, I actually am married to somebody that's very hard for them to rest. My wife it just has to be somewhat busy. Is that okay if I share this with the group? Can I have your permission? Thank you. I got the thumbs up. I, 
think I should have asked before service. That's my bad. And I will tell my wife, you have permission to just watch Netflix. Put on the crown girl and just rest. Sometimes I got to be the shepherd and just go, lay down, girl. Watch some Netflix. Relax. And there's always something to do. With the shepherd, there was three things that the shepherd knew that if he did these three things, the sheep would rest a lot better. Three things. First one, if he fed them well. Oh, they need to be well fed before they lay down. Second thing they needed is they needed to feel safe in their environment. Were they in a safe environment? Third one is, is they couldn't have any fights with other sheep. Do you know sheep are mean to other sheep? Literally, they are cold-blooded. They will knock you out of the way. They'll bite. I mean, sheep, it's not like sheep are like, hey, friends, we're all sheep. Aren't we just the cutest? Let's all get together and just rub our wool together. We're adorable. Somebody happens. Don't know what that was. I'm really selling out on the sheep illustrations tonight. No. Sheep are ruthless to each other. And they hurt each other. Sound familiar at all about people? And so the shepherd would make sure that the sheep was around sheep that it even trusted, if I could put it that way. It had to have no quarreling among the other sheep. It had to be a peaceful environment for the sheep to lay down. And what David says is, oh my God, he feeds me well. He feeds my thoughts well. He feeds my soul well. Oh, he, he has me lie down. Oh, not only that, he puts me in safe places. They may not look like safe places, but I know when I'm in the cave and Saul is hunting me, I know my God's still protecting me. Oh, he, he puts me around people. Do you know what I love about David's story is that the Bible says that he sent mighty men to David. Some of you got to keep your eyes open for who God's sending you right now. And some of you got to understand you're being sent to some people right now just to be safe people for him. Man, the church, you got to find some people that you actually can bleed with, that you can actually rest with. The shepherd wants to... Rachel and I, I'm just going to tell ourselves real quick. Monday through Friday, I eat sea bass, bison. I eat really healthy throughout the week. Saturday night after church, Taco Bell all day long. Let's go. Anybody else get Taco Bell after church on Saturdays? My sinners. Yes. Who else sins after church? We get Taco Bell. We go hard to the paint. We, we buy more than we should. Do you know that it's so hard to sleep that night after Taco Bell? Uh, I literally like wake up like every hour. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, like sweats. Oh, 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 okay, okay, cheese nachos. Oh, oh. Eat the wrong thing. How long do you have to eat the wrong things in your life that are feeding your anxiety and your worries until you just go to the Word for the first time and you actually eat the right thing? Imagine if you actually read Scripture for bed for just a week. I'm telling you, you wouldn't go back. I'm telling you, if you fed your, your body with the right, oh, you'd sleep different. You'd rest different. Let's keep going. Psalm 23, let's get to know the shepherd. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He refreshes my soul. To know the shepherd is to know great leadership. To know the shepherd is to know great leadership. Man, leadership is everything. The Bible shows that when you come under great leadership, night, night. Let me put it this way. Um, in the business world, they say leadership is the problem or it's the solution. Look at any, I'll, I'll use a sport illustration. I'm gonna go all the way down the road, ready? Look at uh, any sport team. Check the coach out real quick. Duke University, one of the greatest basketball programs in all of the world. I'm not a Duke fan, by the way, but if you are, shout out. Um, I'm North Carolina because Michael Jordan, long story. Okay, I'm back. Um, but Duke was a joke. 
Coach K came, leadership, they are a parental powerhouse. Um, Jim Collins writes this book called Good to Great, Great Companies. The theme they saw was they had level five leaders, great leaders who cared more about the company than themselves, great leadership. Tell me a company that has two great CEOs. Office quote. Anybody office hand? That was a tough crowd right there. <laughs> Tell me any country that has two great presidents. Tell me any Christian that has themselves leading the, the story and leading God, uh, God leading at the same time how they're doing. Let me put it this way. Uh, one of the scholars when I was studying this said the root of sin is de-godding God. De-godding God, a.k.a. sitting on the throne of your life and thinking that you know how to lead better than he does. Now, let me, let me put it this way. Some of you need to learn how to draft from your God. What does it mean to draft? Uh, Rachel and I went on a Tom Cruise binge. Anybody like some Tom Cruise movies? Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, okay, well, we'll rival on this side for the Tom Cruise stuff, okay. All right, so Tom Cruise is one of Rachel and I's favorite actors. We pray for him to get saved because right now he is not saved. Um, he is full Scientology, um, but uh, we pray for him to get saved, but we love Mission Impossible. I just think Tom Cruise is a great actor, far and away, great movie. Um, but we were watching Days of Thunder, deep track, okay? Days, Cole Trickle is his name in the movie. And I don't watch NASCAR because I think it's really boring. Left turn, left turn, left turn, left turn. Come back in an hour, left turn, left turn, left turn. One more hour left, left turn, left turn, winner. Yay, that was exciting. Thing is super boring. Sorry if you're a NASCAR fan. You gotta walk me through though, how you like, oh my gosh, he's turning left again. Okay, anyways. Um, Cold trickle, drafting. I found in the movie that if you want to win, one of the greatest strategies to win the race is you get behind the leader and you start to draft behind them. They cut through the wind. You save fuel. I actually pulled off, of, I went on NASCAR's website for you. They actually have drafting defined uh, for you. Ready for this? Drafting, the practice of two or more cars while racing to run nose to tail, almost touching. The lead car, by displacing the air in front of it, creates a vacuum between the rear end and the nose of the falling car, actually pulling the second car along with it. Woo! Can I tell you real quick? A lot of Christians are bad at drafting behind Jesus. They're trying to cut the air in front of Jesus. Follow me, I know where I'm going. I wonder why there's so many tired Christians. So many Christians getting things shot at them that should never get shot at them because they're trying to lead God. They're trying to have God draft behind them instead of draft behind God. Um, let me put it this way. Um, a lot of you are good at scheduling God, but not following God. Uh, so Jesus comes on and he says, follow me. He says, follow me. Let me read you the definition of what following meant back then with a the rabbi. Ready? So if you, were, um, if you were 14, 15 at the time, rabbis would come by, ask you questions, interview you, see if you were the best of the best of the best. And if you impressed them, they would say, follow me. It was the greatest privilege to follow a rabbi. So when Jesus says to Peter and all the 12 disciples, and he says, follow me, they know exactly the privilege it is. Do you know the privilege it is when Jesus says, follow me? I don't think a lot of Christians do. It's a privilege. It is their life's yearning and desire to hear this word, follow me. We think it's weird they drop nets. No, nah, it wasn't weird for them. They know exactly what it meant. The rabbi of all rabbis, the shepherd of all shepherds says, follow me. So when, when you would follow a rabbi, here's what they would tell you as you leave. You ready for this? This is what they would say to you when you go follow your rabbi. As one would leave and begin to follow, others would say to him, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi from the sandals being so close. The students followed him so closely that the dust from the road that came from the feet of the rabbi would cover the disciple. 
That should be the desire of every disciple of Christ, to walk so close to him that he would be covered with dust. Woo! Are you following God that way? A lot of us schedule God on Saturday, but not a lot of us follow God on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Can I read you a verse real quick and we'll go on to the next point? Proverbs 16, 25 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I'm gonna give you a little shepherding real quick. You're a terrible leader. You're terrible. Absolutely horrific at leading your own life. You're terrible at leading your emotions. You're terrible at leading your finances. You're terrible at leading your family. I'm just gonna say it. You're like, I'm pretty good. Yeah, you're pretty good compared to who? I'm gonna keep it real with you. You stink compared to the leader of all leaders. His name is Jesus. Learn how to draft. Ooh, you get behind God. The Bible promises this in Isaiah. I might have that verse for you too. I do. Isaiah 40, 31 to 31. We got a lot of scripture today. You're welcome. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall into exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find strength that they will soar with, uh, on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. How do you run and not grow weary? You're drafting behind the leader. And what happens with drafting? You get vacuumed up. You get pulled along. What a picture. He leads me. Does your shepherd lead you? It's 2.17. I have a lot and I don't want to rush through it. I think I might do a two-parter or should I go through 10 minutes? Who wants 10 more minutes? My wife said 10 minutes. All of you stayed quiet. That's kind of awkward. I'm just going to keep going. Um, <laughs> to know the shepherd, and the next point is this. He guides me along right paths for his namesake. Stop. Next one is to know the shepherd is to know the best. To know the shepherd is to know, he guides me. You ever been to a restaurant? Could be the best food, but the worst waiter. Ruins the whole experience. Can we agree with that? Rachel and I went to uh, Paris for the first time our whole life a couple years ago. And we had the best tour guides. They were showing us things that I would be driving by and they'd be like, oh, we got to stop here. I'm like, there's nothing here. No, no, no. This is where they had their first gladiators ever fight in Paris. And I was like, what? You know, and I'm standing there and I was like, picture myself as a gladiator. You could actually see like it was built into the ground. And I was like, man, this is amazing. And then he would tell us, did you know that the top level of these, um, of these um, townhouses, the top level is actually for the servants, but now they're for the richest people because they didn't want to walk upstairs, rich people. And I was like, what? I was learning all these things, you know? And so we'd go through our prayers, like, oh, did we, we were staying at this hotel in, um, uh, in uh, the, I think it was like a La Trevine or something like that. And we were staying in this hotel and we get, in the, um, we get in the tour guide's bus and literally this is what he does. He drives 20 feet <laughs> and then we get out. I'm like, bro, we just went 20 feet. He's like, yeah, you are at the first square of Paris. Victor Hugo, who wrote Les Miserables, lived right there. And we we're like, what? I just thought this was the crepe shop. You know what I'm saying? Delicious crepes. I, I, good to know. You get a great tour guide, you're going to have a great experience. If you have the guide of all guides in your life, night, night. He said he guides me along, along right paths. Do you know that you can't pick the right path? Can I just say it again? Ooh, but if you have your God say, ooh, get in the car. Or stop. But God, we just started get going. No, you need to stop right here. You need to take a look real quick at your life. I want you to experience what I, I want you to see what I see. I want you to see there is victory in this moment. There is victory in your life right here. And you get back in the car and just let God be the tour guide of your life. Let him show you things. When you're getting offended, ooh, let's say you're, you're on a trip and it's when you've been betrayed by somebody. Guess where God's going to take his tour guide? He's going to take it down to Forgiveness Square. Welcome to Forgiveness Square. I am so weird tonight. I'm doing like stuff like this. Sorry, I'm sorry, okay? Um, he'll take you down to Forgiveness Square. He'll be like, what is this? And he'll show you in his word where he forgave people on the cross for betraying him. And then he's going to show you how to do it too. Oh man, when you have the, the Savior guide your life, he's gonna take you to all the right spots and you're gonna have the best life. 
Man, the guide of all guides. To know the shepherd is to know the best. You deserve the best. Come on now. Well, because he died on the cross. Let's keep going. Uh, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, real quick, man, sheep will stay in the valley. Can I, can I just give you a little couple, couple pastor uh, thoughts real quick with this one? Uh, even though I walked through the darkest valley. Stay away from people who love to just chill in the valley. Who love to talk about the valley. Complain about the valley. You want a small group to just talk about valleys. Because there ain't no party like a pity party because the pity party don't stop. Literally, there are people who like, oh, find another Oh, just, isn't life just the hardest? Oh, I just, oh, life's so hard. And just want to talk about what happened to them and what's been done to them instead of what God's doing and what God has done and what he's promised to do. There's something about not stopping in the valley, but going through the valley. Let's keep going. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You're prepared table before me in the presence of my enemies. To know the shepherd is to know victory. To know the shepherd is to know victory. Uh, have you ever seen, um, you know, uh, in any Indiana Jones movie, you'll see this. Missionaries, uh, I heard this from a missionary, actually, who told me this for the first time. Uh, but uh, if you go to India or places where they have those snake charmers and they play the, the flute, doo, 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 and they take the little top off and there's a cobra, like, bowed up, like, <sighs> you know what I'm talking about? So you've seen this, we know this, right? And you're like, how is that snake charmer, like, bee, 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 bee. and the snake's like, you're like, man, you're so brave, how do you do it? you find out that the snake charmer has super glued the snake's mouth shut. Yeah, I mean, again, PETA's not in India. Just give you a heads up. Shouldn't do that. But the snake charmer knows the snake got no teeth now. It got no bite. And you look at this, this verse that says, oh, when, I, when I'm around my enemies, you prepare a table for me. We sit down because the Bible says that the enemy's been detoothed. You can worship differently because the enemy can be right there. And you be like this. I, th- I, I can't sing. I, I was going to sing. I'm just going to do the flute again. And then an enemy can be like this. <sighs> you ain't got no tooth, enemy. The Bible told me that you've lost your sting. You can growl. You can do whatever you want. But you ain't got nothing but bad dentures. That, 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 that verse right there. Oh, he prepares a table before my enemies. To know God is to know victory in your seasons. I'm almost done. I'm about to worship team. Come on up. Come on up, worship team. To... Uh, to know the shepherds to know victory. The next verse says, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. <sighs> to know the shepherd is to know what it is to be cared for. Uh, sheep are filthy animals. They're not clean, even though you see it in pictures, they're clean. They're actually very dirty. They don't know how to bathe themselves. They get so dirty that flies uh, plant eggs in their noses and the flies will actually go uh, in their brain instead of out, out of their brain. And so what happens to a sheep is that it will drive them literally crazy and they'll hit their head against a wall to try to get the flies out. They'll hit their head so hard against the wall sometimes that they'll kill themselves. And so when you hear this, he anoints my head with oil, it's to protect him from things getting in his head that shouldn't be there. And I think about the great shepherd and if I could be honest, your thoughts need shepherding. To know the shepherd is to know it's to be cared for it, and your, your thoughts need to be shepherded by the, by the great shepherd. Your, your thoughts should not be left to your own devices or just to call somebody and process them. Uh, I, I wrote this down. I've heard it said this way. What consumes our mind controls our steps. So what consumes our mind controls our steps. Another thing I wrote down are uh, you cannot have a positive life and have a negative mind. You can't have a positive life and a negative mind. I, I want to read you this verse in Proverbs 15, 15. For the despondent every day brings trouble. For this month, it's Monday again. It's going to be terrible. Tuesday, it's going to be bad again. And Wednesday, it's going to be bad again. For the despondent, always every day brings trouble. Ooh, but what does it say this? But for the happy heart, 
For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Oh, the one that has the mind anointed by God's oil, the promises of God. Ooh, it's Monday. It's a new day. Your Bible says your mercies are new every morning, God. There's something to be said about a believer that knows the shepherd's words and he's renewed. Your mind needs to be renewed. I'll never forget the first time I thought I was ugly. I didn't tell myself that. Somebody else told me. It was one of the hardest things to get out of my head. I remember the first time somebody called me fat. Oh, I, it was the hardest thing to get out of my head. I would, I would fake injuries not to take my shirt off and shirts and skins for basketball because I couldn't get it out of my head. If I take my shirt off again, another eighth grade kid's gonna make fun of me. Oh, junior high kids are the meanest. If you're in junior high, be nicer. You're in high school, same. If you're 50 years old, same. Oh, the things that get put in our mind that should never be there because of the world. The great shepherd comes and speaks different things and gets them out of there. Oh, you need a shepherd for your thoughts. And last but not least, I love this verse. It says, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Woo! The, the, the correct Hebrew term is goodness and mercy chasing after me. You ever, you ever like... Um, some of you picture God chasing after you like this. Oh, once I get you, you're gonna, you're gonna pay. The Bible's picture is always the opposite. It's a shepherd looking for a sheep. It's goodness and mercy looking for a sheep. And he's, he's chasing you with goodness and mercy. It finishes this way. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who can say confidently, I'm gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Uh, David, that's kind of an arrogant statement. How do you know that? Let me give you a little context real quick. And let's just be honest real quick. Um, I have some of the greatest friends in the world. Some of my best friends, when they visit me, <laughs> I love it when they're for, there for a week. Seven days, fantastic. Day eight, go home. Can we agree with this? Some guests, like family, like day three, you, got to, you don't gotta go home, but you gotta get out of my house. You ever feel that way? There's an expiration date when people come to your house. All of us, you know, and then there's a few that are like, you can stay for a long time. Well, in Middle Eastern culture, <laughs> if you're gonna have somebody over for dinner, the cue that you had to leave their house was when they stopped pouring wine in your glass. And we have all been there before. You eat the salad first with everybody at the table, then you eat the meal, and then you eat the dessert, and it should be over, but the person just won't leave your house. And so you don't know what to do, so you get up. Oh man, long day, right? And, oh, you turn the heater up. Oh, it's hot, isn't it? You should get out, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And then you make it awkward. Yeah, you know, actually, uh, the wife and I were trying to, you know, try to have a baby. You got to leave. Okay. <laughs> Never done that before. I'm in trouble. Um, be trying to get the person out of your house any way you can. Well, in the Middle Eastern time, it was very obvious. If I don't fill your drink up, you got to get out. But if I pour wine in your glass, I want you to stay. And David says that the Lord overflows his cup. Ooh, hear this real quick, sheep. The shepherd comes to your cup and says, I don't ever want you to leave. This is, my house has many rooms. I want you to hang out with me. I want to restore your mind here. I want you to be guarded here. The house of God is not for a pick-me-up. Oh, it's a place to be planted for your cup to overflow. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you the days of your life. Can I submit to you that the reason maybe why your cup isn't overflowing isn't because God isn't pouring. It's because you're not planting. 
is because you're not saying, this is my shepherd, I am a sheep, I ain't never leaving. Because God ain't never stopped pouring. There's never gonna be a cue that you need to leave. Oh, that you would say, God, you're my shepherd for the rest of my days. I love it. To know the shepherd is to know what it is to be wanted. That's my last point. Being a youth pastor, can I tell you something real quick? I used to say this all the time. Girls want to be wanted. And so the biggest loser of a guy could walk into youth ministry and the prettiest girl in youth ministry, if the loser guy would just give her some attention, she'd be like, oh, he likes me. And then she would date him and I would, I would do some pastor and be like, hey, sit down, come here, come here, come here. That guy's a tool shed, break up with him. I'm doing your future husband a favor, break up with him. But he, but he said he likes me. I don't care, he's not the Something in this young girl's heart, she wanted to be wanted on a level that only God could satisfy. But then I got older and you know what I realized? Guys just wanna be wanted. I like you, you don't like me, okay, I like you. You don't like me? Hey, I like you. You don't like me? This is my life. This is my story of my life. I like you. Rachel's like, I like you too. I'm wanted. Oh, it feels so good to be wanted by my girl. You are designed to be wanted. Oh, but to know the shepherd is to know what it is to be wanted on a whole nother level. Will you bow your heads with me? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.